Join us each week as Andrew, Ray, and others bring us in on one of their weekly phone conversations with an amazing agent. This is Little Oak Weekly. Good morning. I could say good afternoon. I guess it depends where you are in your day as you're listening to this. It's morning for me. I just had a great walk this morning with Ray, actually. Him and I, we walk every now and then together in the morning. We strategize, plan, and work some things out as the sun rises. So I've been awake for a while, and I'm excited about our guest this morning, Dan Lang. Dan is uh, holds a property management license. He's worked at Little Oak for, I want to say, close to 20 years, maybe 18 years. We'll find out as we talk to him here. I've known Dan for my entire tenure with the company, which is also around 18 years. And um, Dan's a great guy. He's manages a lot of properties in the in the whole Fraser Valley, but he carries a lot of product in Abbotsford, Mission, and Chilliwack. And uh, as many of you know, he's a wealth of information. He's leaned on quite heavily within our company. And I thought, what better idea than to have him on the show and pick his brain about all things property management and um, yeah, discuss the industry. And I'm sure we can learn a lot from him. So I'm going to dial him up right now and uh, we will get him on the line. Good morning, Dan speaking. Hey, good morning, Dan. It's Andrew. Hey, Andrew. Are you ready to roll? I am ready for this. (laughs) Your sound is great. I, I called you on a landline, didn't I? You did. Okay, that's good. It's better than the cell technology sometimes. Yeah, this is our our super secret second line. That oh, nobody that nobody. Well, for. I won't. I won't share it with anybody. <laughs> Tell me something about your uh, your morning thus far. What have you done? Well, this morning was a, a good one. Uh, my daughter didn't have to go to school, so I didn't have to drive her. Oh, perfect. And then I didn't have my gym this morning, so it was a nice sleep in till like six. Sleep. Uh, my wife a little bit. Sleep until six. What's your? Yeah. Are you an early guy or early riser normally? Yeah. I'm a five ten. Hit the gym by five thirty, and then uh, start the day. Well, actually, I do something unique in that I actually go back to bed after my workout for like an hour, and then uh, then get up and start the day. Drive the daughter to school. We stop for coffee every day, and then head to school, and then straight to the office. Usually here by about eight forty five. You're doing like a power nap kind of thing, like a twenty or thirty minute nap. When you go back yep. to bed or what? Yep, yep. I just find my, my old muscles like that kind of thing. Huh. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. Well, I was up I was up early this morning too. Not at 5.10. I was up at 5.45. I actually went for a walk with Ray this morning. Nice. Yeah. We've been, him and I have been doing that. Not not weekly. I wouldn't say. But, you know, we, we try to do it maybe once or, once or twice a month. It's uh, Everybody's so busy. It's just a good time for yep. him and I to be able to connect get some exercise in and, you know, do yeah. some planning and whatnot. So I was up early too. The mornings are just awesome, especially this time of year. It's just so peaceful. Yeah. And it's so bright so early too, hey? Yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe start by just give us, I don't know, how would you give us your career in a nutshell, how you came to be doing what you're doing and how you would describe your, your career as you see it right now. Sure. I was, uh, before I was in property management, I was in a a lumber mill and uh, I was working for a family business and I could see the writing on the wall that I would probably never be much more than a foreman at the shop because he had three sons. They all seemed to be interested in taking over the family business. So I could kind of see that coming up. So uh, my mother-in-law, Judy Deppner, a lot of people will know and remember, she was just starting out her property management career. 
and she'd got to about 100 properties and she was trying to do her sales and property management as well. It was just a, a, a lot for her. So she suggested that I join her. So I, I did, unlicensed, <laughs> total cowboy back in the day, mm. totally unlicensed, doing everything mm. that I shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, that was around 1996. And then uh, Don Gertz, actually, him and I went to the, the same church, and he said, are you licensed? <laughs> I said, uh, no, I'm not. He said, you should get licensed. <laughs> so, so 1998, got licensed, and then stuck with uh, Landmark Realty there for a couple of years. And then, funny thing, uh, Ray and Don showed up at my house where we were living out in Aldergrove. They just popped in one day and started talking about uh, about uh, needing property management at Remax because at that point, uh, Carolyn Seeley was uh, just getting out of the business and they wanted somebody to replace her and take over the contracts and that sort of thing. Hmm. So they actually made a house call, which is pretty cool. So Judy and I talked about it a little bit, and the opportunity at uh, Remax we could see was was huge uh, because there was a portfolio there already. Now, when we actually showed up, the portfolio had been sold by Carolyn <laughs> to Central Valley Property Management and uh, Kathy McNabb. So we actually just brought our star portfolio over and sure. just started from scratch at, at Remax in December 2000. That was 2000. Okay. So I, I was thinking you've been around for about 20 years. That makes... Yep. That's right. I came over about the same time as the Seberts and uh, Bill Hansma. Actually, Bill mm. came over within a couple of months of each other from Landmark. Okay, and you manage now. I'm going to say what four to five hundred properties, or what's your what's the size of your portfolio? Yeah, that's accurate. Four to five. Wow, and are pretty even balance between houses, condos, and townhomes, or what would you, are you weighted heavily in one more than the other? It's uh, it's pretty even balance. We're finding lately it seems to be heavier to condos and multifamily. Makes sense. Uh, just I think just because it's more affordable for most investors. Hmm. Yeah. So what have you? To, I mean, you mentioned you were doing the cowboy thing unlicensed, and I mean that sounds like you know to say that out loud now, you know it's a good way to get thrown in jail. But but. Twenty-one years ago, I mean, there was. This speaks to the evolution of the industry. What does? What are some significant ways in which your industry has evolved? Like you know, we talk about this within the company in terms of the the sales side of things and technology. But I can imagine, you know, there was probably a time where everything in your world was on paper as well. What What are some things that have changed drastically for you? Well, when I started, I I used a pager and a Palm Pilot, which is <laughs> pretty hilarious i, I missed the, the flip up one i like those i had the flip up one so i felt that was pretty special so you know that kind of thing the communication with the office was minimal you know you would start your day off with your list of things to do and you'd check in every once in a while but it's not like it is now where you know i'm getting 30 40 messages a day from the office mm-hmm. and and out on the road and in my car and on the bluetooth and all of that right but as far as like rental property management residential tenancy act there's big changes in 2006 where uh, they actually started taking us seriously at the, uh, well, it started taking residential tenancy was overhauled hmm. and they were taking landlord and tenant relationships more seriously. So that there was some big changes there as far as not being able to just evict people because the owner didn't like them, you know, that sort of thing. We could, we could easier evict people back then. Prior to 2006. Yeah, that's right. Because they just, they didn't have, well, I don't want to say they didn't have rights, but they had less rights. 
Yep. And then we could we could give bigger rent increases. Um, it was easier to to get away with that sort of thing. And then and then we ended up you know now with the the maximum rent increases when we're allowed to have them, of course, are quite minimal. And then even a couple of years ago, they dropped that. We used to be able to be uh, 2% over GDP. Yeah. But now we're, we've dropped that 2%. So where we used to be able to give 3 to 5% rent increases, now we can only give around 1, 1.4. Well, there's been a, and in the pandemic, there's been a rent increase freeze, right? Correct. So there hasn't and been now, anything for the last year and a half or whatever it is. No, which, you know, for us makes our paperwork a little easier. But for our owners, I mean, every expense in the world has gone up except for rents. So that's making it a little tougher. And then other big changes in the industry where we used to do our arbitrations in person. We would actually drive into Surrey. Oh, my God. The, the office at 100th Street there, the arbitrator on one side of the table, the tenants on the other. And we would actually talk things out. Wow. Um, now it's just straight up paperwork. And we can do online direct filing where we never even talk to the tenant ever. It's it's pretty crazy that way. It lost a lot of uh, the personal touch. But the sheer vol, like you know, I can imagine just for efficiency, they they're forced to go twenty thousand a month. I heard twenty thousand complaints. Yeah, evict, um, arbitrations. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So they have to systematize it. They just can't. You can't do it the old-fashioned way. Exactly. So. What is, you've then watched, you know, this significant evolution, you've been a part of it. Where do you think you sit in terms of where the pendulum swings? Like you've practiced in a world where it could probably be said that tenants were mistreated. And now you've practiced in a world where, I mean, at least from my chair, I, I look at this, well, I look at this from a, my own perspective and then I'm, I'm, a prop, I'm a rental property owner myself. I, I just see that it's gone extreme the other way. Do you do you share that sentiment, or where do you where do you come in and in terms of you know what would be the right balance of um, you know owner rights and tenant rights? I can see I can see how from the outside in it looks like that. I find it's fairly balanced. Not it's fairly balanced. If a landlord does his job, if a if an landlord fills out the condition inspection report, if a landlord does the tenancy agreement and the addendums, and everybody is in agreement up front, it's very easy to to be a balanced landlord-tenant. Hmm. If a landlord misses any of those things, even inspections, if a landlord misses any of those things, then it tends to go in the, in the tenant's side simply because the landlord hasn't done his job, if that makes any sense at all. Sure, because when you're in an argument, if, if someone points to the more you can point to that you didn't do, the, the the more that's going to hurt you. Correct. If a landlord simply doesn't do a condition inspection report on move-in, the tenant can walk away and leave whatever damage they want. Sure, because there isn't a you don't know. Right. No one could prove what they what they were given. Exactly, and then the tenant lies. It's your word against them, and there's no paperwork, so the tenant wins. So obviously, you like you know you don't make that mistake. Like you do though. Like there, there's going to be a number of these things that you just it's a part of what you do. Yep, it's a the box we tick off. Yeah, so where do you find challenges today then? Like what's something that you run into and go like that's crap, I wish I didn't have to deal with that. Like is or do you look at the the industry and the rules and the tenancy act and say this is perfect, I wouldn't change a thing. I I like the way it is now, but I'm also, you know, I've evolved with it. I can see where we have improved with things like condition inspection reports and proper notice for tenants, 
I can see I can see where it's improved, where the tenant is feeling more uh, confident in their tenancy. They don't have to worry about the landlord coming down hard on them all the time about everything. They're not living under a hammer. Right. Yeah. So uh, we like to, I mean, in our office, we try to treat our tenants fairly. We try to treat them with empathy, especially during this whole COVID thing, especially Mm -hmm. in the very beginning. We were uh, sending out letters to all the tenants just saying, hey, if something happens, talk to us, let's communicate. Yeah. And 98% of them were great with it. Mm-hmm. Even to the point where, hey, Dan, don't worry, I will be paying my rent. This thing can't last forever. You know, that sort of thing. So I think we do a good job of tenant communicating. Is there, this is this is something I've always thought of. I don't know if this is realistic or not, but in the sales world, we have MLS systems. Mm-hmm. And depending on where you live in the world, you know, like in Canada, we're fortunate enough that we have one MLS that everybody can go to. Uh, in the States, you know, they've got multiple. but in the rental world, like I'm just, I'm always shocked that there isn't really any type of organized place that one can go to to see a bunch of rentals. Is that even something that you would ever foresee on the horizon? I, I don't. Um, when you're selling a house, you're using a realtor. You're using 90% of the people use, or, or even more, use It's actually more, yeah, totally. Right? So mm-hmm. there's not many FISBOs anymore. The real realtors are all licensed. They are all, you know, under some sort of a, an umbrella. Whereas landlords can be anybody. So you're going to get you're going to get those people. And and I think that was evident. I think I didn't go too much into it because David Rochelle said to not. But there was a, a a time recently where the MLS system had that ability to put rentals up there. What like recently or a long time ago? Yeah, no, within within the last two three years. Like our Paragon system, I, or I you mean like so. uh, it would be a board level thing, maybe or something? Yeah, I think so. Huh. And David said to stay away from it simply because us professionals would be on the same as I think it watered it down too much. So you would get your average person putting in a rental in the MLS system, and then us professionals putting it on the MLS system, and I think we would be lumped with people that don't abide by the rules like the quality they don't maintain the same quality or standard or something exactly so so i can see the fact that your mls system for the realtors is is professional professionally driven with professionals in it whereas ours would be very few property managers being professional along with a myriad of mon paws is that because so in your world there's is there very few property managers that would operate to the standard that you operate with? I I think so. I'd like to think that the property managers I know in the Fraser Valley, all very professional, you know, the residential property managers, we all know each other. We all, you know, pass on tenants to each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, We all know each other well. And, you know, we go onto our websites. They're almost all exactly the same because most of us use the same software. I guess that's what I'm getting. Like, so what I'm wondering is like, so let's just use the Fraser Valley, and I have no idea if these numbers are right, but let's say there's like 10 property managers who manage like, you know, between 300 and 1,000 properties. Is that, would that even be accurate? I think it'd be around that, yeah. I don't think anybody's got 1,000, but Okay, yeah. but three to 700 or whatever. So yeah. why, why hasn't, why haven't all of those people gotten together and created their own MLS? 
So you with like, you know, eight other like-minded property managers from all over the valley say, hey guys, we represent, you know, the, the there's nobody like us. Why don't we have one system that we all work from? Yes, we're each other's competition, but it's kind of like the 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 realtor thing where you know, it's better for us and better for the consumer if everybody comes to one place, not to mention you would then own the system, right? And now the small people or the mon paws or the people who are garbage, I mean, they're over time, wouldn't that like, I feel like that would be such a competitive advantage for all of you. Has no one, is that just unrealistic, you think? I, I think it would be a, a fabulous idea. And I honestly don't see anything wrong with it. Just working together, who manages that? I think it could work. That's nothing we've ever discussed in, in group before. Hmm. And it's probably one of those things where like, you know, you don't need it because everyone's going, the vacancy rate is like 1%. Why would we go through? We don't currently need it, but that, you know, there have been times and there probably will be times again where the vacancy rate's going to be high. So you've managed properties for me personally since I think 2000 and I want to say like six or seven, something like yeah, that. Yeah, right. What in that time frame? Like I've never had a pro. I, I don't even think I've ever had a property sit longer than like I want to say two months. And I don't even. I can't even think of having a property sit for two months in recent history. <laughs> but nope. But when when have we been like what kind of what is the highest vacancy rate we've had in your twenty year time? Give, give me some years and and numbers. Honestly, my my rates have been pretty good. I'm all usually about half of what everybody else is because I mean this is what I'm doing all day, right? Sure, totally. So I think our highest ever been is around five percent. Like yours personally, you've been you've been five. Yeah, and then probably the rest of the world probably six or seven. Like it hasn't been crazy. No, we've never. I don't not aware of us ever even being close to ten in in no, this area. No, 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 not at all, not at all. And I, I can't honestly say I've ever had desperate times where we're sitting there with a board full of properties and and nobody to rent them. We just have to change our marketing, right? There was a time we were giving away TVs every time, or we'd give away uh, free security deposit and things like that. But that was short-lived. That was probably only a couple of years. And that would be like, am I right in saying like the last time that happened was probably about 2009, 10, 11? Is that? Yeah, about right. Uh, even before that, even before that, I think probably even six, seven, eight. So even though the market, because the, I remember the real estate market was, well, the real estate market was strong from about 2003 to 2007. How does the rental market relate to the real estate market in terms of pricing and vacancy? Is there a correlation there that you've observed in different real estate booms? I find that if the real estate market is tight, let's say four or five months ago, Mm -hmm. there's a bit of a frenzy with the rentals as well. Hmm. It'd be less than what you guys would see, but it was a bit of a frenzy as well where people were offering me more money for rentals, which never happens, you know? Like bidding um, bidding wars on rentals. Say that again? Bidding wars? Like multiple people bidding on the same property, offering more? Yes, but not, not near the craziness you guys are. I'm talking two or three. We're not getting like 15 offers on right. house. Right, You know, two or three people can see that because we do appointments. We don't do open houses. We do appointments every 15 to 20 minutes. Yeah. And they can see the lineup. Right. So they're like, hey, I'll pay you 50 bucks more a month, and which, of course, is in the owner's best interest. And if they've got the good references, we'll let's do it. It was short lived, not not too much. And it's calm, calmer now. Yes, definitely. And is that a seasonal thing, too? Like, do you have is there times throughout the year 
with renting that you rather like that, that you have a noticeable difference of of more renters in the marketplace? More definitely in spring, more definitely in fall, almost completely dead in July and August, and completely dead November, December, January. Makes sense. I mean, people are distracted with other things. They don't want to be moving those yep. times. Totally. And we're we're careful to to put our leases in play for that as well. Mm. We don't want anybody moving out in November, December. So, you know, instead of a one year, we'll give them a, an eight month or a 14 month kind of deal. We try not to get our leases ending in November, December, January. So what's your ideal property? Like what, what do you, what do you just love having in your rental pool and want more of every day? I love the BC boxes. I love the, you know, 2000 to 2200 in that range, four bedroom home, single family. They just, they're in high demand because they're typically in good school areas. People can afford them. They, they're the right size house. And people in that price range seem to just expect less as well. So the owner is going to make more money. Longer term tenants. It's just kind of, that's my favorite. Say that again. People in that, who expects less? Say that one more time. They expect less. The tenant or the landlord? The tenants. They expect less in terms of condition of property or what do you mean? Totally. So. Um, I can show a house that the owner doesn't have to pay, you know, two or $3,000 or more for a paint job. They'll take it as is. They'll do their own painting and the owners are fine with it. They'll pay for paints, you know, that kind of thing. They're just easier going people. Is it because it's a less transient tenant? Like, is yeah. it, it's families who want to like live long-term somewhere versus a college student who needs a condo for a year? Yes, for sure that. And it's affordable, and people are happy to have an affordable home. So, what do you mean it's affordable? Like, what's a what's affordable for a house? Like, what? How much? So, a, a family can afford in most cases, like I'm talking like your nuclear family. You know, your mom, dad, couple of kids. So, double in, double income, couple of kids, yep. a dog, totally, and whatever. Yeah, totally. Or, or even two families coming together, multi generational. Sure, um, they're coming together and. Renting a home for 2000 2000 2200 $2, in there, almost anybody can afford that home. And they're happy and lucky to get it because there aren't that many anymore. Well, yeah. So I'm thinking like, where, where you're telling me you got houses for rent for 2200 bucks? Like my, in my mind, I mean, you can't get a house for less than three grand. Well, it, it is possible. And these people are, have been looking, they're desperate for school areas. And like I said, they expect less. So the house doesn't have to be immaculate. It doesn't have to have brand new flooring. It doesn't have to have uh, updated paint or appliances. So they expect less and they stay way longer. Well, I can see if someone's renting for under 2,500 bucks a month, you're not going to leave because the moment you leave, you're not replacing that. Exactly. So they're happy to stay. So then the, the landlords that own, using this house as an example, like nobody sure. can go and buy that house right now, whether you're talking Langley, Surrey, Abbotsford, your range of value at at the lowest is like 850 and those homes go all the way up, you know, can be 1.2, 1.3 million, depending on the neighborhood mm-hmm. and location. Mm-hmm. There's no way someone who buys that home today is renting a house like that for 2200 bucks. Like nope. the buy, these, the, these, are- these are old time owners who've owned these things for a long time and Correct. bought them for 300 grand or whatever. Yeah, totally. And those those are my favorites. The ones that have been around a long time, we haven't had to do a lot of repairs to them. 
the tenants do them themselves or are happy to stay there, it's, it's pretty great. Now, you also get those owners who, who are, you know, another favorite of mine are those owners who understand the long-term hold and the, the, the income helps with the mortgage. Mm-hmm. But the but the long term game is the home increasing exponentially in in value. Yeah, right. So rent is just is just it's a side thing, right? Great, I'm getting my mortgage paid for or mostly paid for by the tenant. Mm-hmm. But the money is in the long term hold. The capital appreciation. Yeah, yeah. So those owners understand they can rent it for a little less. They can also, and their tenants will stay longer. Is there a difference that you notice between tenants? Who so take that take that BC box mm-hmm. house? You got one that's you know in the condition you talked about that you're renting for twenty three hundred, and then you got another one that's totally renoed and it's renting for thirty five hundred. Yep, right next door. Oh, like literally, you have an example of one, right? Do you have two side by side? Yeah, like they're side by side. You know, you've got a family that's been in there. Like for instance, I have a house in uh, Central Abbotsford, south of McCallum, mm-hmm. and they've been in there for. 10 years, they're paying 1800 bucks. Wow. And right across the street, we just had one that was completely renovated that were a thousand dollars more a month, the exact same house. Yeah. But just in- ha- both of them are just as happy to have it. Yeah. And is there, I mean, I guess when someone has cheap, someone has cheap rent, that is, I mean, barring anything unavoidable, there's no way they're ever moving. That's right. If you were to say, okay, you know, what's the pattern of someone who's paying premium rent for a nicer product? Like, is it, I, I get the impression that anything is hard to get. So the person who's paying three grand a month for the same house, are they more likely to move or are they still less likely to move just because replacing anything is difficult? Less likely to move. And, and usually that's more people in the home. So more income earners in the home. Right. The, yeah, exactly that. Yeah, well, when you got whatever vacancy rate we're at, I mean, it doesn't matter what you're moving from. It's hard to replace anything. Yeah, there was a point where I was thinking that people would be renting high prices just to park until they can find something with lower prices, but those lower prices never came. Yeah, totally. It is, uh, it's amazing what you see some people paying for rent, but, but not amazing though, too, when you, when you understand like, you know, to, buy, to, to replace that home and buy it and put a mortgage on it. You know, it's not like it's it's not like it's cheaper to to buy it. No. You know, assuming that you're going to you know have a mortgage of seventy five or eighty percent of the value of the home. Yep. It's just it is what it is. It's the cost of it's the cost of owning a home, whether you own it or rent it. It's not cheap. Yep. Is there any um, features or traits that you just are 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 killers when you're trying to rent something that you just know right away and go, oh crap, that's that's going to be a problem. Typically, it's parking if you can believe it that uh, makes sense yeah parking because now you've got multiple families like my house we've got five cars in the driveway at all times mm-hmm. not every every neighborhood has parking for five people in the driveway i find that especially with condos where people are buying condos for a reasonable price but they're only getting one parking spot anything over a one bedroom and den, you got to have two parking spots makes sense people have to live together to afford where they're living which means you're going to have more than one car. So houses, yep. condos, townhomes, all the same story. Parking's like number one priority. Yep, for sure. And then what's after that? Uh, people want dishwashers. They want, you know, the five appliances thing. I can get away with not doing washer and dryer because people will 
purchase their own. That's that's not a big deal, but they definitely have to have the dishwashers. And they always like to have something unique about their home compared to somebody else's home. You know, it's got to have a view. It's got to have a garden. It's got to have a covered deck. Just those those little things, something unique that hmm. makes their, their rental home a little bit more special. I don't think every, everybody likes being the cookie cutters. So if you can advertise something that stands out from the other options, that's a big, even even like a covered deck, that can make a big Yep, totally. Hmm. You know, they can smoke outside, sit on the covered deck. <laughs> How many, like smoking's a no-go now, right? Like in everything? Like nobody, nobody says you can, sm- like, do you encounter that? No, I have some super low end stuff out in Chilliwack that yeah. it's it's very acceptable. If you don't smoke, you're you're the odd man out. Yeah, totally. So yes, it, it nothing allows smoking. Yeah, and then what about pet? Pets has got to be a huge thing, right? Pets is one of those controversial ones. I I've somewhat softened on my stance on that in the last few years. For me, I was a an, I, I personally am a no pets guy. Like I don't have pets around me. So it's the, I don't have that love of a pet that other people do. And I'm starting to realize that that is a pretty strong bond. Oh, yeah. And if if an owner will allow pets, they have a way bigger market to go to, to, to get good tenants from. You know, it may cost them a chunk of carpet in the end, but, you know, their tenant to stay there for a very long time in most cases. Well, I would say, I mean, you know this, I never used to allow pets in any of my rentals. That's right. And I changed that a few years ago, I would say that it makes a, at minimum, a 10% difference on price. I, I would agree with that. Like people will pay. And so you get your damage deposit, which you get your pet deposit, right? On top of your damage. Yep. And then, yeah, I, I my experience is that it's 10% more per month. Yep. Because yeah, the, the bond with pets and uh, also like a lot of people, you know, live alone. And so living alone with a pet is, you know, it's not like living alone. Nope. And the trend to go to hard floors lately too. In the last yes. 10 years, people going to hard floors makes a huge difference. Yeah. Now I would, uh, I would never go back. I mean, you get the odd disgusting story and I've had, mm-hmm. I've had my share. I had a cat one time that decided to make one of the closets in my condo. It's personal, uh, go spot. <laughs> and that was just absolutely disgusting. I can't remember. If, I think that was in one of the ones that you rented. It was, uh, yeah, it was in one of the ones that you rented. But then when I ran out it, I discovered this and it was just terrible. Yep. But Yep, totally. But yeah, I mean, so you always get those stories, but it's it's worth it for so many reasons. It opens up. If you don't allow, let's put it this way, if you don't allow pets, think about how many people are you not then renting to? Like, wouldn't you say that like, what, 75% of the people who want to rent have pets? I wouldn't say it's that high. But it'd be, it'd be definitely over fifty percent, and you're you're right. When you say no pets, you're narrowing your market by fifty percent immediately. Yeah, and when you narrow your market, you you shrink your your price. Yep. It's no Already, different than when you're no, selling something. No, no smoking, no pets. You know, um, limited parking. Your numbers are getting down so low to the number of people you're marketing to. So that actually kind of connects to another question I had: strata restrictions. Mm-hmm. Like this is a, this has a massive impact on your world. Like what, what, what is your feeling? I'm raising this because I have opinions, I guess I'm bringing it up because I want to talk about it. <laughs> Not knowing <laughs> what your opinions are, but what is your, what is your feeling on Strata's ability to create restrictions? I, I kind of have no problem with it. I just wish they were somewhat more uniform. 
So, you know, every building I have to find out what is the pet restriction? What's the size? What's the number? What's the... So every every building that we have, we have to have a list of the rules and find out what that is before we mark it. All of a sudden, you're putting a person in where you see pets all over the place, but you don't clue into the fact they're only cats. And all of a sudden, you've got somebody with a dog. You're like, oh, crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What have I done? Totally. Uh, I'm finding that the buildings that have a good strata presence, meaning owners in the building, tend to keep the tenants in line more. That there's more care. Like we have some buildings that are strata that are all, you know, full on rentals. Uh huh. But you get the ones that are, you know, 60% owners. We find that the, they rent better because the hallways are taken care of better. There's more input from the owners. It's a, it's a, it's less transient. So the, the neighbors all get along better or at least know each other. No. Yeah. Which, which, which is, what is less transient? Which building? Oh, like, like, like for instance, a a building that's full on rentals. Yeah. You never know when that person is going to up and move. Where buildings that have strata or owners in the building, 60% or more people are owners. There's less, you're going to know your neighbors better because there's not that back of your head kind of feeling that they're just renters. They're going to move anytime. I think the community sense in the strata building is better. So then you're comparing that to a building that's all tenants be, like that like are you suggesting like a building that's owned by one company and it's just a purpose-built rental or are you saying stratas where they've turned into all tenants because it's a building that allows rentals and it's the majority of the building has turned into rentals that's right yeah there's a, just a different community feel in a strata building where owners live there right and so you like so that and but that would be a building that were either they allow a certain amount of rentals mm-hmm. or there is no rental restrictions at all, but it's just got this nice balance. Yeah. I like that. It, I, to me, it just feels like more community, more Canada, you know, just a little bit more, more um, diversity in a building where you've got your owners and your renters. I don't know if the owners like it so much, but I do. Well, I think the, I think the reason we get the extremes is because like we've got this world where I'd I'd love to find out the numbers, but it's a ridiculously high amount of stratas completely restrict rentals, mm-hmm. and and it's like it's really high when you think mm-hmm. about all of the age restricted buildings and then all of the buildings that don't allow rentals. Like I would I would guess that it's got to be somewhere above eighty five or around ninety percent of buildings don't don't allow you know the combination of age restricted and then no rentals allowed. And what that that creates this crazy concentration of tenants in the few buildings that do allow rentals. Whereas I, if I ever find myself in provincial government, not that I ever would, but I think that like so much of the problem we deal we we problem we have with like housing affordability and you know tenants you know not being able to find anywhere to live could literally be solved with one piece of legislation. If government just said there's no more rental restrictions period yep and it would be like a awkward period of you know a couple of years of of an adjustment obviously and you because you'd get people moving around and it would it would impact property values like can you imagine what that would do in the condo market it would where all of a sudden some of these great buildings that we've never been able to sell to investors or have as rentals would now be on the table yep it'd be it'd be amazing for everybody and it would also solve a housing problem for uh for tenants but 
I've never heard of this discussed anywhere, and I don't know why. Like, I don't know if that's just too much of a hot-button topic or what. Yeah, because you're going to have every one of these stratas who are very proud to not have renters are going to be very upset. They'd lose their minds. 100%. And maybe even make life maybe even make life bad for a potential tenant because everybody will know who the tenant is. But it's it's such a joke because like there's we all know you know this in your chair that the the reputation that tenants have it's it's bullshit. It's not mm-hmm. true. Like it's it's, not. it's absolutely not true and I can say that from the people who've lived in my properties. Like I could live next door to any one of those people and you, you not number one you wouldn't know the difference. Number two, they're not a lower class of human. No. Nope. You know, and and one of the reasons why, you know, one of the things that people point to is they say, well, we don't want our building to turn into one of those, you know, rental buildings where it's all rentals. Well, the only reason we have buildings that are all rentals right now is because they have nowhere else to live. That's right. If they could disperse evenly throughout all of the buildings in society, we wouldn't have buildings that are 90% rentals mm-hmm. because we've got way more owners. It's just that things aren't spaced out properly. I just, yeah, I get heated on this I, it, uh, to me it's so logical and i don't know why you know when you hear in the news all the time oh we need more affordable housing we need more it's like we have the housing we just need to take away the friggin' restrictions that stop people from living there yep and and i absolutely agree with you sorry i brought that question up because i wanted to pop off and, I, yeah. <laughs> and, I no, and you did well you did very well and i wanted i wanted to see what you thought too because i just i don't know it, it i shake my head at it all the time like there's so many great buildings out there that people can't live in. And if there's more rentals available to people, the prices would come down, more people would invest, and I would be a bigger company. Totally. More people would invest. Values would shift too. Like you would see, because there's some buildings, tell me if you think this is right. Like there's some buildings that are overvalued because they allow rentals. Mm -hmm. And then there are buildings that are undervalued because they don't, right? Yep, Yep, completely. I have a couple in my mind right now. Yeah, totally. Yeah, we all know. We all know which ones they are. And there, there need there would be this shift for sure, so it would be uncomfortable for a little while. But after it would balance itself out, man, it would be be so much better for everybody. Yep, and honestly, ninety eight percent of my tenants are great. You know, we're always chasing a couple percent, but I mean, what what area of society aren't you chasing a couple percent? Well, right? I can think of a lot of morons who are owners too. Yeah, that's absolutely right. Interesting. Well, another another time, another day. Maybe that gets maybe that gets fixed. You got any? Uh, you got any amazing? Uh, spe- speaking of the two percent, you got any amazing tenant stories you can share with us? <laughs> well, I was, I was kind of anticipating a, a question like this, so I made a quick. Little <laughs> this is note. what everyone wants to hear. <laughs> totally. So, do you want to hear about the Siamese pythons, the alligators, the pet abandonment? Do you want to hear about grow up stories? Do you want to hear about the assault on bailiffs? Do you want to hear about um, assault on bailiffs? Answering doors with bulletproof jackets on, and oh my gosh, how about our knife throwing friend? There's all kinds of good ones. These all sound these all sound amazing. Oh, this is why girl. people, but this is the stuff that that makes people go, well, we don't want tenants in our building because of the, because <laughs> exactly. of these stories. So all that stuff we said about 98 percent of the tenants, people are going to think, oh man, you had a bailiff get assaulted? Oh yeah, just actually this one was fairly fresh. This is just uh, within the last month. So what happened? It's the the, uh, the bailiff shows up to this to this lady who completely lied to me, literally like the worst liar ever, or the best liar, whichever you look at it. Mm-hmm. She rented a place for me in in Chilliwack, fake name, everything, like got past all of our checks. So it gets to the point where she hasn't paid her her 
first month's rent isn't paid. So we immediately, that's a red flag eviction notice right away. And then she doesn't pay, doesn't pay. So we go through the process and we have a process, of course, the day two, you get your eviction notice, day 10, you get your direct file. It, it's just a, a system, right? So we finally get to the bailiff. We phone the bailiff. How long does it take to get to the bailiff? How many months? Um, six weeks. Oh, okay. Not, that's not too bad. Yeah, yeah. When you get on it, like I said, like as a as a landlord, if you do your paperwork, you're you're good, right? Mm-hmm. So six weeks later, he says uh, says her name. He says her, her she has a unique first name. And he says that's a pretty unique first name. We just had somebody with the same with the same first name about six months ago. I'm like, oh shit! I really <laughs> dropped the ball on this. <laughs> so so he goes in there, and I guess the last time he bailiffed her out, and it was the same girl. The last time he bailiffed her out, she was calm and cool and just kind of went with it. Well, this time he went in, knowing who she was, went in with that, like, she's going to react in the exact same way. Yeah. Well, this time he gets to the door. He uses our key to get in. She's on the other side of the door, holding the door shut. Oh, my gosh. He's pushing it open. She's pushing it shut. In the background, the two kids, like a 10 and a 14-year-old, are screaming at the bailiff in worse language than you'd hear at a bar. And she reaches around the door and punches the bailiff in the face, <laughs> which immediately is, a, all right, let's let that door close. Mm-hmm. Call the, the RCMP. The RCMP come out. They arrest her and they pull her out of the building. Hmm. Kids are screaming. The parents are there now. It's just this huge show. And this is a brand new building. So everyone's on their balcony. Oh, We're all grabbing a beer and watching this. And uh, as property managers, we just lay low. We're not, we don't you're, get You're involved. there in the background just observing, yeah. right? We're parked across the street yeah. you know, with our with our Starbucks just watching the deal. <laughs> I actually got this one on video. Her <laughs> yelling, coming coming out of the building, screaming at the top of her lungs. Oh, with two can, you, can you post that video in the WhatsApp chat group for everybody? So we totally. Can, so we can all watch it. <laughs> <laughs> just a little privacy issue there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it was a, that's one of our more recent, you know, kind of fun ones. And then, of course, you know, the family's there. She She's left. So now the family's there. And then it gets sad from there, right? Now the family, the parents and the kids are hauling all their stuff out to their car in the driveway. And then it gets sad after yeah, that. Yeah, that's awful. But to that point, very exciting. You get, and you, don't, you get those, you get like a story like that once every, when you manage 400 properties, you must get that a few times a year anyway. Oh yeah. And we get, we get the good ones and we get the super sad ones too. You know, we can count on, you know, three or four of our tenants dying every year. Oh wow. Sure. We've had, there was a, there was like three years in a row where we had two suicides a, a year. Like it, we, there's the really sad stuff because you're dealing with all those people. Totally. But you know, when you walk into a house uh, that's been abandoned and there's two gigantic gigantic snakes in the house with the, with the pens, you know, the big, the big aquariums. Yeah. And you're looking at them thinking the only thing holding them back is that little sheet of glass. <laughs> you know, that's kind of scary. Or you go down the stairs of a house and it's really bright down there. You're thinking, Oh man, I got to grow up. Cause all the walls are painted white. You got, ah, oh, shit, I got to grow up. You go down there and it's a freaking six foot alligator on the floor. It's just on know? the floor. Like in just on the floor, the basement is the alligator's cage. Oh, that is amazing. It's so scary. I've had that twice. Twice. Who gets alligators? I get them twice. Like, they just put the alligator in the house. They just walk around in the basement. Yeah. They gave the whole, in the other house, right in, doesn't, the house doesn't exist anymore. But uh, they had taken up the flooring in the concrete bedroom. Like, all the flooring was gone. They had a big uh, kiddie pool there. And the alligator just peeking over the edge. Like, I've had this twice. Freaking alligators! Who does? What what is it eating? Like, what were they giving it? I don't know. Like a cat? I don't stick around for that. 
<laughs> Dude, you can't have this here. Wow. Yeah, it's fun. There's lots, you know, you're dealing with seriously 500 different people, and there are characters. We have our characters who so all have their nicknames. Yeah. You know, we've got Sexy Angie, and she's not sexy, but we call her Sexy Angie because Angie <laughs> thinks she's sexy. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> yep. It's it's pretty fun, you know. When when people call our office, it's just hilarious. We get nicknames to different people, and it, it's it's really just fun. Oh, that's good. And recently, your son has joined you in your business. It's so incredible, Ethan. Right? Yep. Yeah, that's right. So Ethan he, is a property manager. He has the exact same licensing as myself, so he can do everything I can do. And the great thing about him, he has never known a life without property management. Right. It's what he was raised in. Yeah, not a single, because his grandma, obviously, Judy mm-hmm. Deppner, and me, so he's third generation. So he knows the language. He knows what we deal with. He hears the conversations around dinner table. Mm-hmm. He he knows the business without, and now that he's got his license, the guy is just, it's, it's incredible to watch him. He's eight years ahead of me. You know, I started when I was 28, mm. and he's not that old. He's literally 20. But, I see the respect that he garnishes. He grew up, uh, well, not grew up, but he was trained Starbucks-wise. Yeah, so he spent several years in Starbucks, so he has this amazing personality skills, hmm. and he can listen and he can talk, and it's just an incredible thing to see. I'm incredibly proud, as you can probably tell. So he's going out and getting his own business. Like, has he been? Oh yeah, getting new clients and whatnot. Yep, yep, totally. Hmm. That's great. Totally. So he works for me mostly. You know, so he he does he does a, a lot of our showings. He'll do a lot of my paperwork, and that's all obviously for training purposes so he knows you know what he's doing but uh we've given him a uh, a building to manage so he's got a 24 unit building that he takes care of and that is where you're going to learn the business because you've got 24 personalities living in the same building and uh yeah he's learning it's it's great and he loves that he's third generation you know he loves that he can still go talk to his grandma about it yeah it's pretty great that's cool yeah well i've almost taken an hour of your time and so uh, we're all busy and I want to let you go. Yeah, no problem. But I, uh, I sincerely appreciate you taking the time. We, uh, we learned a lot from you this morning. <laughs> alligators. Hopefully Ethan doesn't run, any, run into any alligators. Oh, I kind of hope he does. He's going to have his own story too. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, thanks for doing this, man. And appreciate your, um, your willingness to help when anyone has questions about... And that is a thing. I, and I find it's just a certain... You know, the realtors in our office can phone me anytime with any questions, especially when they're selling a tenant occupied property. Mm. If they have any questions about that, they should give me a call because it is complex. Yeah. And uh, it's not as as easy as everybody thinks. And then probably my number one thing is if you're selling a tenant occupied property, really do your research on what the tenant's rights are because we're running into a lot of issues with that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, your uh, your details are available everywhere. You're on that WhatsApp chat group. I know people have reached out you out to you uh, through that oh, totally. medium as well. Yep. So I'm happy to talk rentals anytime. I love talking about it. So awesome. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Have a great afternoon. You too. Take care. Bye. Bye. Bye.